This is a Federal News Network podcast. Up until three months ago, federal employees who wanted to schedule a hearing or file an appeal with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission had to do so entirely on paper, sometimes through the mail. EEOC brought its filing system back online in July. Brian Burnett is the chief information officer at the agency. Carlton Hatton is the director of EEOC's Office of Federal Operations. And Nicholas Inzio is the director of the agency's field programs. They tell Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco how the push to bring EEOC's federal sector filing system online is part of a broader effort to modernize the agency across the board. The first voice you hear is Brian's. We've been working toward developing digital services for our constituents for a number of years. Four or five years, we've had a program to develop those services. And it, it came to a point where we had services for the, uh, we released services for the private sector, private sector employees and their employers. We had a program called FedSEP, which Carlton may refer to at some point in, in the near future, which was agency to agency communication. So agencies working with us on their MD-715, Form 462, which are workforce and complainant data, but also their charges, their complaints, the EEOC complaints, EEO complaints happening within their agencies. Uh, We had that particular program in place. The federal sector portal, the piece that we just rolled out in July, allowed the the employer, the employee side, so the federal employees being able to take advantage of digital services that we already offered to the agencies. Carlson? process before is one based primarily on paper or you know, federal employees would need to um, write us a letter or use an email and attach it and provide us the appeal that way. The um, savings are really tremendous and it really provides a great service to federal employees. Before this, it was a kind of a throwback to the 20th century and what I would add to what Brian said is that the um, EEOC, in fact, did start out very small with the federal community with regard to digitization, the appeals. And so, so we were kind of the early adapters, and the commission then went large and, and went to Nick's program. I would just say that one of the reasons there's three of us here, obviously there was some technology, some digital transformation that occurred in this process, but there are really two efforts ongoing here. Mm-hmm. If you're a federal, federal employee... <laughs> you first go through the EEO process at your agency. Once that process is at its natural conclusion, you're given the opportunity to request a hearing. And that's where those hearings take place principally in the field. And so that's where Nick would jump in. Right. And I think our experience was the same as as Carlton's. This was a, and when we say a paper process, it was a huge paper process. You know, the files were big, the file rooms were big. You know, and the number of steps that needed to be done by hand because of that just absorbed a lot of time. So this is an effort that's designed to make the process easier for employees, for agencies, and for EEOC and its employees. Right. So I think it was Carlton who mentioned the potential for savings on the part of EEOC do you all have an estimate of what that looks like for you? Is it still too early to tell? Or do you have any, you know, initial projections of how you how much you think this might save for you all? No, I don't think we have uh, hard numbers for that. Digital services do provide transparency. Uh, they are faster. And there will be some savings from them. And we do calculate some savings, things like uh, software licensing as we move from multiple platforms to a single platform hosting services, moving to cloud services, open source software versus non-open source software. 
we do look at savings from an IT perspective, but as, as I'm sure you're aware in the federal government, you don't often take into account people savings, at least early on in digital transformation efforts. Nick? I mean, there will be people saving and even even something as simple as copying and mailing. On the federal sector side, we, re, you know, we, between our offices, we have thousands of complaints that are either at the hearing stage or at the appeal stage. And we don't have to, we don't have to copy, we don't have to mail. And there's, there's a savings there that we realize and that I would imagine both the employees and the agencies realize also. And so how many requests for a hearing do you get a year? Our average has been about 8,000 hearing requests a year. We have at, probably at any one time 12,000 or so cases actively being worked on. And, you know, before this is up and running, you know, they'd be copied, they'd be mailed. So there's going to be just continuous savings for us, for the parties, and easier and better communication. You mentioned the potential for space savings, the, the filing rooms just being large that's, to handle the capacity. That's right. Do you have a sense of plans to potentially reuse that space for other things? Or I imagine we're still early in this process for you all, but you know, any ideas about where you're thinking you might go with the space that was once used for this paper-based activity that now will be freed up? because you have this new digital process. Mm-hmm. You know, whether they're turned into meeting rooms or offices, but in the long run, when the government seeks space, we're not going to need space for filing rooms. And so that that will be a savings to the government in the rent that it pays. And we have 52 offices and headquarters. So they're all spread all across the country. And so these savings will be taking place, as Nick mentioned, as we renovate or move each office. There's also the private sector tied to this as well, right? So Nick also manages the private sector investigation uh, enforcement. Right. We're on somewhat parallel tracks with digitization where we've, in the federal side, we started out, as Brian and Carlton have said, with FedSEP. On the private sector side, we started building a digital charge file so that charges would come in, they could be served digitally. We then, as a routine matter, in, in many cases, ask that the company give us a statement of, the, of position that can now be given to us electronically. So, you know, those services were, have been built for a number of years, and now we're working both on the federal side and on the private side in the front end, how do cases come to us. Mm. On the federal side, it's a little easier in that someone asks for a hearing or someone asks for an appeal on the private side, someone will submit some information and then schedule an intake interview. That's all done online. It has saved an enormous amount of t- both time and expense, and we're just started. So, so after that process completes, after the, after the hearing process completes, then the federal employee has the opportunity to file an appeal. Carlson? You know, people can submit their appeal briefs and things like that. And, and while we're talking about the process, I think it's important. One distinction is that it's a shared process. Federal agencies have a role in this process. And the one unique difference is that the investigation, the counseling really starts out at the agencies. And so while we're excited about our savings and at EEOC, they're still with the agencies. There's a mix of processes. Some are 
mostly are probably paper. But uh, if we were looking down the road, we'd like to see if we could extend some of these advantages to the federal agencies. Each federal agency tends to have their own EEO platform for processing, and then we take that data in at the, at the end of their processing in, in, a, in a workforce right. report and in a complaint report. I noticed that one of the new features is the ability to check the status of your case. And I imagine that that's probably a big benefit, a big selling point. I mean, if you think about any customer service that you might encounter, I imagine that, hey, where am I in the process? That's a question that you all may have gotten frequently. Any comments or, you know, initial takeaways from that particular benefit? I mean, are you fielding fewer phone calls about the status of cases? I mean, can you talk a little bit more about that? This provides uh, federal employees the opportunity to kind of manage their complaint. And certainly status is one thing that they can do, but from from the time if they're with Nick looking at the hearings and, and a lot of the a lot of federal employees may ask for a hearing and it gets resolved later and there's no appeal. Some of the appeals, though, may include uh, cases for which there was no hearing. So federal employees can not only just check the status, but they can manage their complaints a lot better, a lot more efficiently. They can figure out you know, what the agencies provided and if they have an attorney. So it's, it's really a management of the complaint process for them. Brian? And as you might expect, the more you digitize a process, the more information you can tell the person who's involved with the process about what is occurring, right? Otherwise, you are left to find somebody on the phone and ask them to run down a file or look through the file. We have more data on the private sector side, but we've uh, realized substantial savings or at least gotten time back from our show status on on the private sector side. Nick? What we've done is we've looked at the number of hits on the website that tells us how many times people have come to check the status of their charge on the private sector side. And that that equates into, you know, when when you put it all together, it equates into something like seven years of work that's saved by allowing people to do that. And they can do it 24-7, which is a, a wonderful service for them. But then it means that our employees are fielding that many fewer calls. We realize a savings there. I think our calculation was it freed up enough time to process another 3,700 cases a year, think, r- roughly, roughly speaking, right. just, by, just by providing the status in that uh, online. You know, going back to the time savings piece of this for a minute, you just mentioned more cases that you all simply could mm-hmm. could look at because this process is now digital. But I mean, have you thought about other work that you might have your employees do or a, another focus that you might shift them toward because, you know, they're not sending things in the mail, they're not answering as many phone calls, that kind of thing? I think we try to, we try to move them higher up the value chain, right? So, so instead of opening an envelope, maybe you're doing something, you're adding metadata to the case or you're providing some other service to that constituent. So that's what we're, we end up trying to do, use these systems to allow lawyers to be lawyers, investigators to be investigators, and to move everybody up that value chain? In part, I think the answer to your question is kind of two parts. Number one, EEOC hasn't been a resource-rich agency. Mm -hmm. So by freeing up some time, we can then spend more time on the matters that we should spend on the cases that we have. We have plenty of cases to work on, private sector, federal sector, hearings and appeals. The second part is you're also right that there are other things that EEOC does 
we do a lot of work with employer groups, with employee groups, a lot of work with federal agencies and federal employee advocates. So it does allow us to spend more time doing that also. I'm wondering if if any one of you can talk a little bit about the the training process. I imagine that employees likely had to go through some sort of training, that there was maybe a learning curve to using this system, both on the employee side, but then also on the agency constituent side. I'm wondering if any one of you could talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think we reached out to agencies, particularly because we knew this was an new system for them, and we provided several sessions where we heard their concerns and then addressed them. And it's more of an ongoing commitment to agencies. And with regard to our own staff, I think there was a degree of familiarity because we've already kind of had that digitization to some degree, less of a stretch. Um, And for federal employees, I think that's also uh, one of our goals is to provide education and help people understand the the new system. I I will say, I'll add that uh, our, our current charge case management platform is nearly 20 years old. And so as we built these digital services out front, in many ways we were still, you know, one arm tied behind our back with a very, very much a legacy system that we were working with on the back end. After multiple years, I would say like four to five years of really focusing on external digital services, we're going to take the next two years, not not hold back on building new services for our constituents, but really focusing on modernizing our internal case and charge management platform. That's something we really have to do. So as Carlton mentioned, it's not as if they had to get used to a new system, that we just sort of had to tie it together as best we could with these new digital services. But that's all going to be uh, changing over the next two years. Well, Brian, to follow up a little bit more on the internal case management modernization that you're, you're planning, can you talk a little bit more about that? What might go into that? You mentioned a two-year effort as part of our strategic plan, we were tasked with coming up with a shared vision for what a modern case charge management system would look like within the EEOC. And so we spent the last year working on that. And we are planning to, we actually start rolling it out in this next month with the deployment of an employer master list. Up until this time, for all of our private sector charges, we've had a uh, had a unique employer record per charge. So they weren't shared across any offices, any databases. And so now we're moving to having a, an enterprise employer master list, taking from data from multiple places that we, we already store it. We, ser- we do surveys, EEO 1, 3, 4, and 5. The data come to us. We bought some data to tie into that. We have a plan in place based on this year's worth of visioning, if you will, to modernize our systems over two years. The federal side is only a couple months old at this point, but the private sector, you know, digital services for the public is a little bit older. Wondering what feedback maybe you've received so far about either the private or the the public sector services and, um, you know, any plans to enhance, you know, what you just put out? Absolutely. I, th- I think in any case, we try to work with an iterative approach. We release some piece of software. We package it with hopefully with good communications and good training. But then what happens when you release it? You need to be accepting of feedback and provide some resources to not only build new things along the way, but to go back and make better what you've already done. And I think the other thing will happen is as we modernize our internal systems, we will have even greater 
uh, capabilities externally. Transparency is, an, uh, is one of those. You know, show status only shows you what you're capable of digitizing internally. If you're able to do more, have more digital processes internally, then you're able to show greater granularity of status to your constituents, either it be their complainants or, or private sector employees. Nick? I mean, we have plans, and both of our offices are working with Brian's office to make some changes in the federal sector process that was rolled out not that long ago. So there will be continual improvements made, just like we have in the, in the private sector. And, you know, and we have a list of things that we'll be working on, and you know, we will make them incrementally both in the private sector and, and for the federal employee portion. Nicholas Zio, Director of EEOC Field Programs, with Federal Operations Director Carlton Haddon and Chief Information Officer Brian Burnett, speaking with Federal News Network's Nicole Grisco. Helping your employees learn new cloud skills helps your business become more agile, more resilient, and more secure. Not helping employees learn new cloud skills causes your business to become less agile, less resilient, less secure, less innovative, less profitable, and... Well, ultimately less of a business. Don't become less of a business. Try Pluralsight and get your employees everything they need to learn new cloud skills. Learn more at Pluralsight.com vision. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. 